0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to go Jump with Mike Gullick Jr. That is me, with me as always, a man who walks like a pretty girl. Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on?
1: You saying that because i got a little switch when I walk? No.
0: I. I well, I mean, yes, kind of which is ironic it's because you really don't have much you really don't have much ass that's why it's ironic
1: okay that's not that's very very unfair and very personal to bring up and i've been working on it i had ass back when i was squatting the house back in college but i've I haven't it's hard leg days hard to, to be excited about and lunges hurt so excuse me that's one of my bucket lists uh for this year is to get my ass back how dare you
0: well, I mean, and I'm also just addicted to that song "Pretty Girl Walk," so I can't help it. All
2: the pretty girls walk like this, 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 this. Pretty girls walk like this, 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 this.
1: All pretty girls walk like this. It's it's, like it's it's the yeah. surest
0: sign that TikTok yeah. is eroding my brain. The amount of recent things added to my library on my phone, musically, that are just the songs that are popular on TikTok.
1: I, I don't have the channel, I believe it's, it could be channel 4, but TikTok has a new series, XM channel, that started in the new year where every all the popular songs on TikTok, you listen them in full like an old person uh, on, on the radio, like an old person.
0: <laughs> it is amazing to finally hear all the words to these songs that you hear like a 15 second clip from. Uh, we had a great show for you guys today, it's a lot longer than 15 seconds, getting ready for Ooh. the NFL championship weekend uh Mina Kimes host of the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny and one of the co-hosts of NFL live ESPN NFL analysts stopping by to help us take a nice in-depth look at these matchups Brandon on what she believes is the best weekend of the NFL calendar year and it's hard to say that she's wrong
1: really because it's one of those quality over quantity things I guess yes
0: Exactly, not just whittled down to one game, got a lot of quality, got plenty of time to sink our teeth into it, so very excited to do that with Mina. We've got some NFL head coaching updates and assistant coaching updates and some jobs, uh, some news around the NBA and the cost company doing something new and exciting and different. But Brandon, uh, we promised at the very beginning of this show's inception that we were gonna bring the timeline to your ears, and one of the things that was unavoidable yesterday on Twitter was a controversy surrounding pens and what pen you choose, and the pen that you enjoy writing with here. And watching the internet rise up, there are a lot of bad days online and very few good days. And I've always said the thing that unites us on the good days is either the ability to dunk on a bad person or the ability to focus on a meaningless, stupid thing. Llama's escaping on the highway, Laurel and Yanni, what color is this dress, on and on down the list. Yes. The pens gave us a similar outlet where we were all unified in this normal, daily, fundamental task that we use, and we got to break it down clearly. Um, For what it is worth, Brandon, uh, as we look at all these pens, I had pretty clear favorites, and I feel like people know their pens well enough to know the name. The GOAT pen for me, Brandon, the Pilot G2, it's the ballpoint pen that's got the grippy at the bottom. Mm -hmm. It's a triumph of innovation. It feels good and smooth under your hand because much like writing on a blackboard, it's really all about what it feels like on your fingertips here. I would say consolation prize, the tried and true Bic extra smooth. Just the glass one that's got the shitty cap on it.
1: It's old
0: faithful. It is another one deeply reliable. The only problem with it, incredibly fragile, especially inside the backpack, but it gets the
1: job done. Another personal question, Mike, do you bite your nails?
0: Oh, yeah. All the time.
1: That Those two pins are prime uh, for nail biters. As someone who is trying to recover since the pandemic, I, I try to vow to keep my fingers out of my mouth. Uh, and also, I, the dentist told me that my teeth are moving because I was biting my nails. Anyways, um, but the, the first thing you named, for one, that G2 Pilot, one of the best pins for writing that clicks in or out. Because usually yes. when you get the click in or out, it gets too, it's too dry, all those different things. But that little tip that they have at the end when you got it clicked out is perfect for chewing. It's a little gel. It's like get, get, get your little teeth indentations in there perfectly. If you're trying to get someone's DNA, chase them with that. Uh, and then also that tried and true, that clear one, that cap, that plastic cap mic, you could turn that into a piece of gum. Like, honestly, if you get really down into it and then you could either... If you want a girthy, you can get the top. If you want to just thin, you can get the the little the tail of that pin. I
0: always end up snapping the tail off. Almost every time really? in a classroom, you would hear the sound of that thing breaking off in my grasp. One hundred percent.
1: Okay, but also that, that pin is a great uh, beat pin for if you're doing grinding or something, beats in a class, that, that something about that plastic really resonates off of some wood.
0: So obviously, this is a subject that ignited a lot of passion with people. So I asked at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter in response to that, in honor of Penn Twitter, what's the dumbest thing that you have a strong opinion on? The example I gave for me, and this is something I've said on this podcast before, I don't think any state in New England is unique enough to live on its own. I think we should erase all the lines. Boston should be the capital and it should all be called New England problem solved. The Boston people get to keep the piece of their identity that they think is so central. The rest of us just get to go on about our lives as normal because none of us had a ton of regional identity to begin with.
1: Uh, I love the take other than the fact that Charlotte has flipped me on it just because uh, Maine is supposed to be special. Uh, So (laughs) I want to give that to her and her parents um, and shout out to wilder Wednesdays. But I I like the take Mike and it's also like the first was like the colonies Um, just, just, I don't know. It's just
0: like, it's just,
1: (laughs) it's all one thing. It's all, it all literally is new England. Like it's, it could just be, you know what I mean? Like it's the same, like like it was not a lot lot of creativity in there, New York, New Jersey. Like what about the originals?
0: You can. And it would stop what was, I think, the plague of my young life growing up in New England, which is this constant desire to believe that the Patriots were going to bring the team down to your state. It went through it with Connecticut Uh for a while, where people thought the Patriots were going to move. There was some rumor as they were playing hardball about property up in Foxborough, and it was never going to happen. So they can just belong to all of New England now, and we can go on about our merry way, but... Brandon, I, I don't know if you have one offhand, something incredibly stupid that you're passionate about, or if you want to react to ones that I have plucked from the timeline to read to you.
1: Obviously, I have some, Mike, but um, I want to hear from the people. And then how, how about how would we, we put the little period on it by giving my take? All
0: right. All right. I like that. Let's start this off. Uh, Sam Hoppen tweets, there are too many types of beers. We don't need a lemon poppy seed, double dry hopped IPA, or a mocha nitro stout pale ale. This one I'm inclined to I'm inclined to buy into. I don't mind the existence of a lot of them, but you're just never going to get me to be able to meaningfully identify or differentiate between them. I know people that live like that who can call them all out. It's kind of become what wine has been to a lot of people. I just can't take that time out of my life, so I'm inclined to agree with this one.
1: I love that take, and I think it's very brave. I think the beer people, beer society, it doesn't get a lot of flack from a lot of people. Uh, as someone who my family didn't grow up drinking, so like when I got to college and it was like, oh, beer, I was like, okay, this kind of tastes gross. I, at one point in time, I remember telling you, I there, I can't imagine any point in time in my life when I, when forced to either, either choose a beer or a lemonade going with a beer. And then I got introduced to summer sh- summer shandies or or like all the apple uh, uh, ciders and dip, sour sour pale ales. Like I had to tap into it. Just like as, it's like one of those things. Like as a man, like you have to be able to shave your face and know a beer. Like what well, what type of beer do you want?
0: It is funny. Because what you just described kind of goes against this argument where having that variety is kind of nice. But the thing that you always heard about beer, especially as a young kid, was, oh, it's an acquired taste. You're going to grow to like it. It's the beverage version of a TV series where see people say, oh, the first two seasons are kind of slow. But then after that,
1: it picks up. It's like, that's a lot of work for me. You're assuming a lot of my time. And also, if you get too involved, it could pretty handicap your life a little bit uh one of my neighbors in florida here uh does not have a vehicle and i think it's been taken away from him because at any point in time in the morning or night i'm seeing him walking back from a gas station that's not close to the, my home with an 18 pack and just sitting out on his front porch and, and killing that thing so i don't know if he's drinking it for the taste anymore
0: uh, gets to a different point for everyone involved. Also, I'm sure my dad <laughs> loves this take. My dad, who famously walks into every restaurant and says, I'll have a local beer. And when the person tries to ask him what he likes, he just says, pick one and waves them off. Cannot be bothered I with all it. the varietals. Just want something on tap. Just want something at least positioned as local. Um, this one, uh, Jen Elaine, ESPN Bucks reporter, said, Thin Mints are trash cookies. Terrible take. Sorry. Got to call it out. Like, just a
1: bad take. It is the best Girl Scout cookie bar, none. I I got to agree with her. I I think thin mints are trash cookies as much as I think chocolate uh mint chocolate ice cream is a trash ice cream as well. Like I I think the the it's like a what is a Molly is just like stronger ecstasy. Like I think the thin mint is just a stronger mint chocolate chip ice cream and I I could do without all of them.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, again, everyone's allowed to be wrong about stuff. You and Jen are wrong about this. Your war on mint will not be tolerated on this podcast. Dosey-dose. Again, Thin Mints are the best. Like, you're not going to knock me Samoas. off. That. And Thin Mint ice cream, one of the best choices you can make in your life. Um, too dark. Chocolate's too strong. Go ahead. Brandon, at DavidSize2022, Converse and van wearers at the gym need to be shot into space. Oh, come on. I don't really judge gym footwear, but I will say I am surprised now how many young kids that I see at the gym, like high school-age kids, are wearing very nice Jordans, not to play basketball, but just to go work out in. The vans and stuff, like the chucks and stuff, a lot of guys that don't like to have, like – a lot of cushion below their feet or like to have a little more natural grift, especially people that deadlift or squat and things like that. usually get to rock in those to be a little more minimalist. So I'm not going to down those, but I'm just shocked kids wearing like nice ass ones, 11 sh- like that in the gym that I wouldn't even think of.
1: I, I think the annoyance is the fact that those people are going to the gym and not touching any cardio machine. Like bothers people because I think there's that balance of of running and and lifting that people like to think is like a nice balance.
0: I saw a kid running in brand new Jordan 1s. The mistake that young man was making and he was sprinting for some reason. He looked like he was new to both ideas, wearing sneakers and working out because he had no idea how bloody his feet were about to be later on.
1: Yeah, he's been on workout uh TikTok. He's like, oh, seems like you can get girls doing this. I'm gonna get some J's. <laughs> But I but shouts out to Jake Flint. Uh used one of our strength conditioning coaches he's now the, down uh, there at head, LSU. He's the
0: head strength and conditioning coach at LSU now, yes.
1: Yes. Uh works out in, in low cut uh chucks. And it's for weightlifters, there's like that center of gravity thing that like platform, like getting to a barefoot. Level, remember those toe, toe shoes came out and there were all the craze? It, I, I, there's a science behind it, but shooting to the moon is a bit much.
0: Um, Qu- Jay Cuervo says, steroids should be allowed in sports. Taco trucks create strong communities and should be on every corner and defund Mondays and instead have 48-hour-long Sundays. Could you imagine 14 hours of commercial-free football?
1: Whew. I mean, could you imagine... 48 hours of commercial-free Sunday. I mean, that's... uh that's it also would concept. actually
0: have Sunday, because one of the other takes that I saw from a lot of people was Monday is actually the first day of the week, and I completely agree. The notion that the calendar mm. still positions Sunday as the first day of the week is a farce. I don't know who I goes like along that. with that guideline, but it's idiotic. No one's week starts on the Sunday. Moon. Nobody nobody thinks of it like that. The moon controls a lot. I give the moon its just respect for controlling the tide. But Brandon, you do not look at Sunday as the first day of the week. That's idiotic. Yes, I, I don't do. believe you. Brandon, I don't believe you. Yes, I do what what about your life do you use sunday for as a totem for the beginning of the week it's part of the weekend it is literally a part of the end of the week it is the end of the weekend it is the end of the thing it's the end of the end
1: i'm a procrastinator uh and i do things at the end of the beginning of the week to get started for the rest of the week so you do things at the end of the week. I could use all of Sunday to get ready for the rest of the week, Monday, but I choose to to wait to the end of Sunday. uh, Yeah, you're getting ready 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 for for
0: Monday because Monday is the beginning of the week. Everything you're saying is you agreeing with me and just not wanting to out of some stubbornness.
1: no that's what you're hearing i'm trying to articulate the fact that sunday is beginning of our week mike i don't know spoiler alert to everyone we record on sundays for our monday podcast so yes sunday is the beginning of of the week i've always thought that and this job confirms it uh wrong
0: wrong 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 (laughs) wrong tory smith former nfl wide receiver says fried vegan foods being called wings he's absolutely right I love I love um buffalo cauliflower and stuff like that. It's awesome, yes. but they're not wings.
1: I as someone who just had some uh vegan, I think it was jackfruit buffalo wings for dinner, I feel you. It's it's chicken nuggets.
0: That's another thing that people brought up actually um Uh, Mikhail Ice says, people who are always making a big deal about boneless wings are lame and not real eaters. That one I agree. People that want to shit on the people that go bone out for their wings and try and make them sound like toddlers, what are you proving to anyone? We've all had boneless buffalo wings. We all like boneless wings. They're a great time. Every time I go to Chili's, that's part of my appetizer grouping boneless buffalo wings. They're incredible.
1: Yeah, it seems like the people that fight for the the bone wing bones have to be there for there to be wings or people that like try to tell me why I should be hunting. It's like, you know, you know, you got to be in a deer blind though. You got to spend that time. So I was like, okay, I can't <laughs> put, put that work in. Yeah. No, thank you.
0: Um, last, last one here. If you, uh, this is, uh, your mother's lover is the Twitter name, which is incredible. If Ooh. you pull something out of the microwave early and don't clear the remaining time, you're going to jail.
1: That, oh, come on now. Unless there's a beep alerting you that you still need to clear that time, that can be there until tomorrow because you might want those 12 seconds.
0: I I do this one. This for me is like aunt and aunt where I say both and I'm pretty inconsistent with how I legislate it. Sometimes I'll clear it right away. Sometimes I'll just forget because I got my hands full and I'm doing other things in the kitchen.
1: Yes, uh, we've had this conversation a long, long time ago because your brother is one of the people – that says aunt, like you should, because there's a you in there. And you were at the time, you were fighting with aunt, so I'm glad to hear that you're kind of uh, waffling on it now.
0: It's not even waffling. I'm just lazy, and I don't care. I think it's a distinction that doesn't really matter, and so I say both, because you can't govern me. Um, Brandon, what is the dumb thing that you're passionate about? Let's finish with your take before we get to Mina Kimes.
1: Uh, well, we've hinted at this before, but uh, I feel like we're being lied to about dinosaurs. I don't know that they existed <laughs> for real for real. It seems like the perfect thing to tell a bunch of children to get them to sh- sit down and shut up and and you know think about a long time ago and get thankful that they're not being chased by giant lizards and all that type of stuff. Like yes, do I b- believe animals existed before? Yes, all that stuff, Pangaea. I'm eating all of it up. But the fact that y'all run around with y'all the white money digging up holes in God knows where and calling it a job archaeologist. I'm on to you, okay? It's like it's like people that are obsessed with just going to golf. Like you just wanna be alone, you wanna do your thing, and you wanna you wanna bring evidence to it. I don't know where y'all got them bones for. I I, I don't necessarily trust it. And the reason I don't trust it is right when I was okay with dinosaurs, y'all gonna try to tell me that dragons don't exist. So how the fuck? The, can dragons not exist but dinosaurs exist Are you telling me that in the old times when knights were wearing suits of armor protecting whatever god knows queen and shrek times and all that type of shit yeah i'm just saying shrek times to for articulate the, the the where i'm at mentally okay lord farquaad Y'all telling me that one of them dragons didn't just, like, stay around and, and have some wings and and uh, a T-Rex and a, a, a Triceratops or a, a Pterodactyl merged together and became one crazy different species? I'm supposed to believe that? Bullshit. Someone's lying somewhere in this thing, and I want answers, but I don't need answers because I feel like I own the truth. And I own the truth that they are lying to us about dinosaurs, just how they're lying to us about sharks and Shark Week.
0: Brandon, I feel like if white people had invented the idea of dinosaurs, you would know because they wouldn't have died by meteor, right? They would have been killed in some violent war where white people got the land after, if they were writing history.
1: Maybe that's how they were. That's maybe that's how they died. That's that's what the history. That's the reworking of it. They they needed dinosaurs. one
0: thing to happen where white people weren't hey. at fault with some sort of like land theft or war, and so they're like, you know what, asteroid.
1: There's some sort of uh, uh, Atlantic slave trade with the dinosaurs working and being put to work, and then they just got ex- they got extinct. One big meteor came. Oh, how about malnutrition? Okay, uh, the poor, <laughs> <laughs> poor dinosaur. What? I was like poor, poor, poor working conditions and living habits. Like yeah, the dinosaurs couldn't live with how the white people, white cavemen were treating them, so they died off eventually. Yeah. So, anyways, that's I, I, it's honestly sourced around the dragons, and honestly, like, it's one of those things like no one can tell me anything. Like I can meet someone, I can go to as many museums as I, as I can, and every time I run into this dinosaur exhibit, oh, okay, I right, was so here come the cat. Okay, here's here's all right. Let me let me put my kid goggles. Don't you know he had to like like you talked about watching the thor movie love and thunder you said it was a kids movie don't you have to like get yourself in a kid mindset to like ingest what's going on like that's what i do anytime talk, somebody talks to me about dinosaurs i'm like okay yeah feed me the bullshit i'm i'm yes oh look at the, all the teeth all
0: right Um uh, well thank you for that that rant from Kyrie newman um We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Mina Kimes is going to save this podcast from being the dumbest thing on earth. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it? Wrong. All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, very excited to have our good friend host of the Mean Kimes show featuring Lenny and part of the great crew over at NFL Live. Meena Kimes hanging out with us today. What's going on, bud?
3: You know, just playing a little game I like to call. How long has this spin drift been at my desk?
0: Oh, it's a dangerous game, too. I recently found a flavor Ooh. of that that I actually... Oh, no. <laughs> it's fine. it's fine. That was it's fine. a bad answer. This
3: won't be the last time I sip on it.
0: Oh uh, no! Exactly. We all we all get desperate enough to go back to it. I've started developing into the. Did you ever see the movie Signs, where yeah. the little girl leaves all her waters by her bed? I've recently <sighs> discovered myself being that person. It's mm. it's a bad plot twist in life. Mm.
3: Mm. Yeah. Well, you know it's, it's it's a difficult time of year. Just whatever it, is, it takes.
0: It is a difficult time of year. I was going to ask for you, getting towards the end of football season. First off. Championship weekend coming up. Is this your favorite weekend of the NFL postseason? I know people love to rank these things. Where are you at on this?
3: This is is the best one, Um, especially when you have games like these, which we're going to talk about. But um, I like it because, you know, by the time you get to the Super Bowl, it's like, oh, how many times are we going to talk about, you know, the right guard, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) being the weakness on the offensive line or whatever. Um, Whereas with, you know, the, the championships, it's not as much time passes, but then there's just so much to talk about. And also I like the focus right? Like you get to really dial in on two matchups and they're usually good teams. Um, you know, the divisional rounds is really fun too, but I, I like the focus, the quality of football that can be anticipated. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like this year truly we got the four best teams. So I'm pretty pumped.
0: Yeah, I remember a lot of people talking about that. I think Ben Solak tweeted about that during the divisional round where we had gotten down to the six teams that everyone had kind of circled and said, these are the teams actually capable of winning a championship plus the couple of other ones in there. And I know this isn't quite baseball or any of the seven-game series where you can get some real random shit that happens over a long season, but you know, football, one and done, you can lose good teams every now and then. We got really, really lucky this year.
3: I believe I may mean, could pull this up easily. They were the top six teams by DVOA. Which shout out to DVOA, yeah. <laughs> the real winner of this postseason. You know, with DVOA stuck to the stuck to its guns with Minnesota number twenty eight. Not always a popular a popular stat, uh, and vindicated. Vindicated, DVOA was.
0: Honest to God, I think Minnesota may be a bigger win for them than nailing the top six. I think that <laughs> being able to iron that one out for the people, yeah. a huge dub there. But
3: uh, most Vikings fans knew too, so I don't want to, you know, they they knew that the team was not as good as the record. But yeah, they really, um, not only though, like you got to the right six teams, I it really does feel like... Um, The final four are the four that are supposed to be there. And this is reflected, of course, in the fact that they're both like essentially pickems, correct?
0: Yeah, more or less. The Chiefs line has been doing wild gymnastics over the course of Mm. the week. I saw they're back to being a one point favorite now, but we're a Mm. two and a half point dog two days ago. As you know, looking ahead to this, it feels like it's all about the ankle, right? Like you mentioned, we got the perfect final four and we were one ankle injury short of it being... one of the most perfect football weekends that I can remember. So I'm sure that's tied to a lot of the line stuff. Like how worried are you about the actual impact of the ankle at this point that we've spent a right guard level of time talking about this week?
3: I mean, I, I, if, I, if I was a Chiefs fan, I would be worried for sure. Um, I guess we should start by saying that the, I think the reason the line is moving a little bit back in Kansas City's favor, although at one at home it's still a dog, is – Patrick Mahomes has been practicing. There have been videos of him looking fairly agile. Uh, he walked into a press conference, with, like looking like someone who was trying to hurt, hide the fact that maybe his ankle was hurt. But he, but you know,
0: he ga- he gave to me the sure sign was when he was exiting instead of taking the stairs down, he did the hop right off the podium. Yeah, like oh, yeah. I'm just doing normal stuff he, here, no he, big deal.
3: He didn't really like flex it. He was just kind of like, doo, 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 doo. but um, which is. To to say the normal way he runs, (laughs) but um, yeah, no, I so so fingers crossed that you know he is at full health or I'm not he's obviously not full health but close to it, but it factors into how I view this game, no doubt, because um, you know, having watched the last time these teams played in December in preparation for this one, Patrick Mahomes is devastating from the pocket. He is by many metrics the best quarterback in the NFL from the pocket. He was the best quarterback in the NFL. Passes less than two and a half seconds. So, you know, he's extremely good at um, all aspects of playing the position. But the mobility and the ability to to extend in particular, it's just that extra little thing that makes him so hard to stop. You know, you can be perfectly covered up and still be wrong, right? Um, I posted a play. It was one of Lou Anarumo dropped eight like five times in the uh, December matchup. And most of the times it worked. But one of the times Mahomes was just dancing, like he literally ran like 30 yards back and forth across the field before finding, I think it was no gray, like for a beautiful decompletion that was, I don't know if you saw the video, nullified by Nick Allegretti being ineligible downfield. And you can see the moment where he figures it out and you see him like slowly (laughs) backpedaling, but he got called on it. But anyways, Mahomes' mobility is what makes that happen.
0: Yeah, you could see the no as he tried to like hit, and God love him, an offensive lineman trying to backpedal in the middle of a play. You have to do that once, and it's that drill they do at the combine where the coach <laughs> directs you, and then basically never again. I felt so, so bad funny. for Nick. He's
3: it was so far downfield too.
0: <laughs> it, it was egregious, and, and <laughs> it, it's it, it's tough because blocking for a guy like Mahomes is an adjustment like that, but also now like. I thought it was really telling. I think I saw Michelle Steele on SportsCenter talking about it from a home standpoint, and he was like, even I'm going to find out how good this is this weekend, because while he's going through some stuff in practice, I'm sure he's not pushing at full speed. I'm sure nothing they've seen has approached that. And there's almost an added difficulty in that more than anything else, just because if you're totally inhibited, you know hey, we're going to default to, like, the Chad Henney game plan where it's going to be a ton of motion at the snap and we're really going to batten down the hatches. When you're caught in between, he's going to get caught trying to do some of the normal things that he does and then maybe halfway, kind of like we saw in the second half of the Jags game, find out that, oh, all of a sudden I'm not capable of getting this ball out to a spot because even for a guy who's, you know, the off-platform foot god, he still kind of needs some of that stability underneath.
3: Oh, it turned him. out he only needed one foot to complete a jump pass. But yeah, it was <laughs> – I mean, the contrast before and after the injury and the play calling in that game, what he was doing was pretty stark, especially in that first drive because he was really moving. Like they were – you know, they called like a speed option. He was booting. like He was doing everything. And, um, you know, how many times in important games, especially in the postseason – has a defense played man coverage and Patrick punished them with like a 12-yard run. And, you know, it's it's never that long, but it's always – it's similar to Joe Burrow where it's like just enough to punish you for leaving a void or turning your back. So I think we'll see pretty early on, you know, how he looks and and what it feels like. But, yeah, I mean, like even if he was healthy, this is a Chiefs defense that has had a lot of success against him. A Chiefs team, obviously, that's had a lot of success against the Chiefs in particular. I said Chiefs season probably I meant Bengals defense that has had success yeah. against him. So, um, you know, I, it's it's I, I, it's certainly not a gimme no matter what for either side. You mentioned
0: all the drop eight. Do you think that still is the M.O. that they go with? Because as Bengals fans have pointed out, they haven't needed a banged up Mahomes to beat this Chiefs team in recent memory. And Lou Anarumo is near the top of everyone's list. Big Lou of very creative, well-thought-of defensive coordinators. So would you blitz him? Would you sit back and drop back? How would you approach it?
3: I would not blitz him. Um, Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's no point in making, giving him easy throwing options in this game, right? Like, you know, part of the reason why the drop eight's been so frustrating uh, for him in the past is... You know, it requires patience. He uses his mobility to escape and extend three-man rush, but there's so many bodies in coverage. A lot of, especially the deep plays downfield, are not immediately available to him. If something is immediately available to him in this game, he will take it. You know, Patrick Mahomes is very good against the blitz. He's very good at IDing the blitz. I mean, Lou Arum is really good at hiding blitzes. You saw that against Buffalo. I thought he deployed that really well. But in this game where Mahomes is going to be slightly constrained to me, you focus more on coverage and just make him work for it and count on the fact, you know, they, they have very good pass rushers and eventually they'll win.
0: Yeah, I think that was the thing that stuck in my craw as much from their matchup in the regular season as that game against the Bills was getting a sack on a three-man rush is an affront to an offensive line's credibility. Like, that is the biggest shot at the pride of the big people on the other side. And you go back and look at that first matchup, like, Orlando Brown had his hands full the entire day with whoever was over there. Like Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard were both giving him hell. And I'd imagine that's the the matchup. They're going to try and let cook for the majority of that game. On the other side, we spent so much time focusing on the Bengals offensive line, who was the biggest surprise of the divisional round and the way that they executed here. How much does that change when all of a sudden Chris Jones is the one waving at you from the other side?
3: (laughs) I think that's something we're also going to see early on, which is, was that Bengals offensive line performance as good as it seemed? Like, was it enabled by the snow, the Bills pass rush being not as good as, you know, the the four-man rush really fell off a cliff when Von Miller went out? Um, And then, of course, you know, Joe Burrow helps it with his quick release. But even, I I pulled this somewhere, on throws of over two and a half seconds, Joe Burrow was kept remarkably clean in this game. Um, So I think... That's something I also will be very curious to see early on. Like you know, obviously, how oh, Mahomes is moving. I want to see how that offensive line is pass protecting early on, whether they look dom as dominant um, run blocking as they did against the Bills. I mean, they just absolutely bullied that Bills team at the line of scrimmage, and um, yeah, I'll be curious to see how they look against the Chiefs. You know, a Chiefs defense and Chiefs front in particular that's really improved as the year has gone on. Nobody's going to confuse them with the you know the Eagles or the Niners <laughs> who we're going to talk about, but. Um, you know, I, I do think the pass rush has improved, um, getting, you know, players like rookie cornerback, Trent McDuffie, more integrated into the lineup has improved, has helped them in coverage too. Um, so they're not bad. Um, they just, uh, aren't, you know, top tier.
0: No. And, and the difficulty on the other side too, is we've always seen this sort of internal tension for spags of knowing he wants to send everybody on every play and doing it, to an unbelievably frustrating fault against this
3: team. He did it at the end of the second half, or the first half, with less than two minutes left against the Bengals for no reason. No reason. And Joe Burrow, of course, hits Jamar Chase up the sideline. Of course. I was like, what? I... I I posted that Walter White meme from Breaking Bad, where he's in the car <laughs> screaming. And then there was a there was a rep like later in the game where he called like an inverted cover two and it's so unnecessary. I want to
0: ask Dominique if inverted cover two has ever been called and like really worked to anybody's benefit. It feels like one of those things that looks really cool on the page and is a really fun idea. And it kind of the point that we always make about quarterbacks, it seems like Spags gets bored and is just like, I need to feel something get hit. Let me send the house quick. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I
3: mean, I would absolutely, I don't think either team should blitz a lot in this game, but with the Chiefs too, like, Again, just watching them in this game in particular, they just have to tackle, man. Like it's not that complicated. Like you know, the, the, for the most part, they've been able to actually contain, except for you know when they play, when they like send pressure or like yeah. whatever. But but a lot of it, especially in this last game, is just the Bengals running. P Ryan was in the last game and getting yards after contact or Jamar Chase turning, like, a screen into 12 yards. Like, the number of missed tackles every time they play the Bengals is astounding, and it's as simple as that. They just have to tackle them.
0: It's a huge testament to the Bengals' skill players, because obviously last week, the snow game, you expect some of that. They were just getting every extra yard that was going to be had in that. It, It is funny to me that the entire Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, like, weird attempt at like a usurper where everyone this last week wanted to make Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the NFL now and do all that came off a game where Joe Burrow had to do nothing remarkable. Like what was remarkable was the amount of restraint that he showed as a player, just building the whole thing out of short passes routes to the flat, hitting the tight end over the middle. Like, he didn't need to do anything spectacular outside of a couple of throws in the red zone, other than hold himself back and show the kind of restraint that I feel like we've kind of talked about Mahomes and Allen and Burrow specifically having to show because of the way teams play their offenses now.
3: Yeah. And like you kind of do, you know, he will. That's the thing about Burrow is like he is very good at taking what a defense gives him and not pushing it and you know he's good at a million things he's you know super accurate throughout the football he's really good at using his leg that was a big factor too in the last game he used his legs um and punished them on the ground too but uh even if the offensive line is losing up front he will mitigate that to some degree by you know finding his matchups and taking advantage of them and counting on his incredibly talented skill players to go to work um so you know it's he, he he really just is so good at playing mistake-free football. <laughs> um, and, of course, that's been an issue in this particular matchup.
0: It's I know the uh, term social media quarterback has been thrown around a lot this season in regards to a different guy. I am amazed at the amount of Joe Burrow thirst that has shown up on the Internet. It is unprecedented. I, like I, You and I are both... Relatively new on TikTok, the things people have shown themselves capable of in the name of editing Joe Burrow's sexy pregame fits has been out of control.
3: <laughs> I, these are not showing up on my for you page, so oh. this might just be your <laughs> your algorithm at work.
0: Um, I've revealed a lot about myself here. I, um,
3: you know what? I see a lot of there's that TikTok meme going around where you're like, you it's like, mom, don't get in the car. And then they show someone, and then it's like that video of a guy jumping into a car. Yeah. I've seen a lot of women do that for Travis Kelsey. That's it yeah. that comes up a lot.
0: Yeah, no, he's he is on the other side of this too. But and I'm. I, by the way, like him and Jason Kelsey, all of a sudden becoming world class podcasters. Mm. Really, a bit too much for me. Like, yeah. you guys have enough. Please <laughs> stop. Calm down here. Yeah,
3: yeah, just um, like. Yeah. Leave some for the rest of us.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, that being said, uh, all right, Mina, AFC Championship game. Um, who's your pick in this one?
3: I'm leaning Cincinnati until I see Patrick Mahomes moving, uh, but I think it'll be close. So, I the, the 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 thing for me was I couldn't figure out a way for the Chiefs to stop Jamar Chase. I was just thinking about it, you know, uh, like what am I to do, and I just couldn't with the players that they have in their second, I just couldn't find an answer.
0: Yeah. I I think that's kind of where I'm at with it too. Like it, it's a very simple like way of looking at it, but it's like, yeah, they haven't been able to do that before. And the best part about their team that they bet on being the best part about their team. And we're right this year is walking into this inhibited Mm. in a way that majorly restricts. Well, I guess we'll find out to what level, what he's capable of doing best. Um, The other game for this weekend is going to be an exercise in line of scrimmage violence. Mina, I don't know if there's a matchup that will be more fun to watch this season than the Eagles O-line versus the 49ers defensive front.
3: It is truly a clash of the Titans. I was trying to find a video of two bears fighting to post. (laughs) But then I was like, that's not really right. It's more like a, a, a bear versus a shark right? Like the bear is the offensive line and the shark is the Niners.
0: It reminds me of that scene in the Godzilla movie where they use it for the gif all the time, where it's like, let them fight. And it's like (laughs) Godzilla and King Kong fighting each other. That's probably Uh, the closest comp I have.
3: It's absolutely, and and, it actually has made this game difficult to prepare for because, you know, what I like, I like to look at old matchups and see who's had success against them. And um what where, where their weaknesses and there are things that we can point to in this game. But like when I was trying to like look for okay like the Eagles offensive line versus the Niners defensive line, neither of them have played a unit like uh, as quite like that. And I would say maybe more the Eagles offensive line versus the Niners um front seven is how I would put it because you know the, the Cowboys have a very good pass rush, but it's it's what makes the Niners so challenging against the run and I would say in as a pass rushing unit because of the things that their linebackers are capable of doing is that whole group. Um, You know, the the Falcons had some success running and using quarterback keeper on the Niners, but they didn't have Nick Bosa in that game. So that one didn't quite fit the bill either. It's just like, if you were to build a perfect front seven and a perfect offensive line, it would look a lot like what we're about to see.
0: Yeah. And I think especially we talked about injuries that were important and how we factored things. Once you saw Lane Johnson able to go for the majority of last weekend, that all of a sudden unlocks the final mode of this because now you look at going into this weekend having two healthy tackles against Nick Bosa who, going back and watching, I think one of the most amazing things for me looking at the matchup with the Cowboys for last weekend, where I thought by and large outside of the beginning where Nick Bosa drew the holding call on Tyler Smith and got up feel for the first couple couple days, did a pretty good job of keeping Dak clean. They very quickly decided to kick Nick Bosa over Tyron Smith on the right side. And Tyron Smith's a future Hall of Famer and a guy I have a ton of respect for. That was not a matchup that treated him well. Like Bosa didn't get home a ton, but that was as much timing as it was anything else because he was beating him pretty consistently.
3: There's no weak links on the Eagles offensive line, right? Um, whereas, I, I would say, like, we're so dialed into this trench battle, but the other side is extremely good, too. The Niners' offensive line is very good. The Eagles' pass rush is very good. And that's one where I actually think the Eagles come out on top, because Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football, and Mike McGlinchey's played well this year. That I would say the rest of the line has played a lot better than I certainly I expected. Hassan Reddick is cooking with gas right now. And you saw when they lined him over Evan you Neal, know, it was like, oh, my God. Um, and you I, you can bet that he is going to give Mike McGlinchey the business if the Niners drop back. So I'm very excited to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, he was in demon mode for that entire last game. And this entire damn season, one of the best so, free yeah. agent acquisitions in recent memory with that group there. I, how much of what the Cowboys did against the Niners and against Brock Purdy do you think the Eagles are able to replicate to that end? Because I thought the Cowboys did a good job of really making Purdy look like a rookie.
3: I think I think some of the pass rush certainly and that's been you know ahead of the Cowboys game I was thinking to myself like well we haven't really seen Brock Purdy against like an elite pass rush and enter the Cowboys and you're like oh okay this is a problem right like he was rattled and every time he got flushed especially to the the left side you saw he struggled um I think what surprised me though Mike was how sturdy the Cowboys were uh, against the run in that game mm. um you know, they bottled them up pretty good until maybe like the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. And, um, you know, they, they were playing with a lot of stacked boxes and basically daring the Niners to, you know, beat them over the top. And and, and again, sometimes pretty had a couple of completions in the, to that end. But I'll, I'll be curious to see if the Eagles run defense, which is structured very differently, um, has similar success with them. Because like my feeling is if they can get into third down, they can win on that side of the ball. The question is, can they get into, you know, third and long? I don't know.
0: It's my biggest worry because you go back and look, and for all the conversations we had about the Eagles run defense this year, when Jordan Davis is out and then you go get Sue and Limbaugh Joseph, it never really got a lot better. And you look at the games that they lost, and I went back and siphoned it down to like, because again, like we talk all the time, rushing stats are, not indicative win loss wise because teams that are up end up running the ball late and all that. But I siphoned it down to just first half rushing attempts, and three the three teams that beat them were three of the top four in first half rushing attempts against this team, and they were averaging under three yards a carry. Like it was not efficient. It was just teams staying with it, teams hammering away, and then you look in other areas, hitting big plays over the top, doing stuff like that, like. I I will be curious because, to your point, the 49ers game turned, yeah, based off turnovers, and then they just started feeding it to them in the third quarter and beyond there. So if the Eagles can hold up for at least a little while, that's where I feel like they get bailed out so much more by the other side on that offense with Jalen Hurts and company there because I'd imagine in this game, I mean – AJ Brown's got to factor into this one pretty heavily, uh, yes. considering the areas he can Perfect. affect and how much the RPO game is probably going to have to be a part of this one.
3: I yeah, completely agree on both counts. We talked a little bit on live today about um, kind of how to slow the Niners defensive line a little bit. And, you know, one of the things is the quarterback run game, obviously. Um, another, I, you know, I mentioned I'd really like to see them pass to Brown, especially out of the slot on some RPOs early on, just to get the linebackers a little bit touchier. Um, but downfield is going to be where the Eagles can profit. This is the biggest mismatch in this game is the Niners defense is good at literally everything except for defending deep passes, especially up the sidelines. That's where they 15 yard plus outside the numbers. They are amongst the worst in the NFL. The Eagles have absolutely cooked this year. I mean, how many beautiful go balls has, uh, Jalen Hartstone to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. I think that from a talent perspective, their wide receivers versus the Niners cornerbacks, cornerbacks, pardon me, is the biggest thing. Now, the biggest mismatch. Now, question is, will you have time to throw it downfield? And then, you know, is that a little bit ga- like gambling a little bit with high percent, you know, low percentage, lower percentage throws? But you got to mix in a few of them, especially early on because. All season long, Jalen Hurts, one of his reasons he's developed so much as a passer is he just trusts those wide receivers to make Mm -hmm. plays. They were very good, and I think he's going to have to trust them in this game.
0: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right, because God, if you can hit a little bit of that, we saw last week, even Dak Prescott, who nowhere near as down in and down out effective as a runner, definitely able to stretch whether it's Mm -hmm. as a scrambler, whether it was part of the design rushing attack. Like I know Fred Warner scoffed at the PFF grades when they got thrown at him at the podium about them versus zone read stuff, but... It is undeniably a place that when it was mixed in right, especially down in the red zone, gave them fits. And if they're already dropping back for that, it's uh, not going to be great.
3: The Eagles ran like 30 zone reads against the Giants. It was, uh, yeah, it, it's, this is one too where it's like, okay, you know, Jalen Hurts, again, he like didn't really have to run that much in the Giants game. So he kept it a few times. This is one where it it matters, his ability, how special he is a runner. he's going to have to be special. I think Um, it
0: almost looked like he was just rushing in that Giants game to kind of prove the point, like just to get it on tape and to say, cause you saw very quick to slide out in the flats, pulled it in some spots where quite frankly, I'm not sure if the read was right. And he just sort of, you know, understood I got to get myself into the mix here, but this is one where it's going to not have to just be the threat of force. You're going to actually have to go and do the damn thing.
3: Totally agree. Yeah. So we'll see.
0: Ooh. It's this this one's got me excited. I, I know you said this one incredibly difficult to pick. I'm leaning Eagles right now. I think they're a two and a half point favorite at home, so kind of expected there. But is that kind of where you are?
3: I'm also leaning Eagles, um, just because of what I mentioned earlier about the Eagles pass rush against the Niners. I think, and also kind of how we've seen Purdy under pressure as of late. The discrepancy at the quarterback position as well is it for me. Although you know, again, Kyle Shanahan negates that to a lot of degree. And by the way, that's another thing, like. I will be very curious to see in this game. So Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the NFL, probably the best play caller in football. Very conservative to the detriment of his own team. You saw that in the last game. It didn't matter. This is one where I could see it mattering if he turtles up and punts in opponent territory or whatever. So
0: I was, and I mean, he said it out loud. It wasn't like it was the quiet thing. He said like, no, we were comfortable taking three in these spots. That has become his MO. And man, you look, it does also seem like he even recognizes like we're playing with fire with some of these Brock Purdy throws in tight spots. Like Brock's oh, had yeah. a bunch of passes <laughs> as we've gone along that have gotten closer and closer to doomsday.
3: He, there was a moment in that game where I was like, Oh, he is. I think it was actually near the end of the first half when he was like clearly not playing for. And then I think Purdy had a completion where they got into field goal range, but he was like, I am taking this ball out of his hands. And we used to see him do it with Jimmy Garoppolo all the time. Yeah. You know, he would just take the ball out of his hands and, um, yeah.
0: It's a, great, it's a great point, especially in the postseason, like as we've, I think, often talked about the postseason Jimmy Garoppolo stat line versus the guy in the regular season. Uh, very different animal at times, prompting that kind of response to awesome. Kyle's
3: yeah. haunted. He's a haunted man.
0: <laughs> it, it, I, I feel like he's just that dog meme of the dog looking away at war every time he gets into <laughs> one of those situations, seeing 28 to three. Like it's just oh. gonna live in his. I know. I f- I feel for the guy because you're right. He's incredibly talented. Wasn't
3: really, his fault. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm excited for both games, but this one, if you like football, I just.
0: Yeah. This one. It- this one is grunting, and you're just you're gonna be at home, and you're gonna look down, and you're just gonna be dirty and shit.
3: <laughs> we were doing TV today, and Dan was talking about how the when the Niners are in second down, they're um. Defensive tackles tend to align at a, like a four eye technique, so there's like a lot of space in the middle. And uh, involuntarily, I just screamed QB power. I just screamed. I was just like, oh, and then he looked at me. He was like, "What?" I was like, "I, I don't." And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Yeah." It was so it was like a guttural, guttural reaction.
0: Uh, it, it was. That's like a. That's like the scene a scene out of a movie. It's perfect. That is that is the kind of wonderful guttural reaction this football season is going to prompt. That is what you guys can get as part of NFL Live and on the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Mina Kimes knows ball, sees QB power <laughs> in her sleeps and in her dreams. Uh, Mina, enjoy what you guys are on the road coming up here a little bit. You guys yes. got the Pro Bowl, you guys got the Super Bowl. Are you excited? Are you a Vegas person?
3: Um, I am not a Vegas person, unsurprisingly, but I am excited because our first show is actually going to be at the... Pro Bowl. I don't even know what you call it. It's not a game. Whatever is happening. Yeah. So, um, it's always fun to be on site and like around players. And then uh, the next week we will be in Phoenix and I will see you there because you're joining me for my show. So
0: Yes, gonna make that happen. The return of the uh, prodigal daughter in uh, Phoenix, Arizona's very <laughs> own, high school Mina Kimes, the little bit of homecoming. I you know when I thought about this too. Have you ever done anything with the puppy bowl before? It um, feels- I,
3: no. I went once though few years ago. Maybe it it feels Houston. like a
0: crime that considering you are the only mm-hmm. NFL podcast with a dog as a co-host That's that great, you have man. never been asked to be an official partner of the puppy bowl here. So puppy we're going to speak puppy. that into existence.
3: I would love to do coverage for the puppy bowl. Get at me Purina or whoever sponsors <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mina, thank you so much. Travel safe. I uh, look forward to seeing you out at radio row.
3: Bye.
0: All right, Brandon, Mina and I kind of touched on it there, but you and I have to go on record, put it on wax now, give our picks for the season heading into championship weekend. It's been six thick picks. We're whittled down to two games, and we're going to keep it there. We're picking the postseason right now. Um, Records for the year, uh, I am 58-63-4, climbing towards 500 slowly but surely. Brandon is 17-16 and in New Year New Picks, uh, a segment that's had many names. So, Brandon... We'll take a look at it now. As of this moment, as we are recording the podcast and getting ready to do this, the Philadelphia Eagles are two-and-a-half-point favorites against the 49ers. The Kansas City Chiefs currently one-point favorites against the Bengals. That line has been all over the place, like Mina and I talked about. Um, I am going to Brandon... Pick the Bengals plus one, and I am going to pick Philly minus two and a half. Um, I think we get an Eagles-Bengals Super Bowl, um, and yeah, I'm willing to rock with those wow. teams. Wow,
1: wow. <clears throat> I didn't know exactly where my heart led because I just I am one of those annoying football fans. So I just want to see a good game as long as everyone have fun. I'm, I'm I'm there. But since the Ravens aren't there, I think maybe 49ers can possibly win a Super Bowl. So and obviously want to go oppo, oppo you. So I'm gonna take the 49ers plus two and a half, and I'm gonna take the Kansas Chiefs minus one. Nice. All right, there we go. So
0: we've got it there. We're in opposition down the stretch of the season here. For what it's worth, also would kind of dig uh, the Eagles and 49ers under 46 and a half points. I think that's gonna be a defensive slugfest, Ooh, uh, yeah. kind of ah, like the first game. But the Eagles. That over-under for the Bengals-Chiefs uh, game kind of scares me just because with the Mahomes ankle factor and how both defenses, I think, are going to play each other. It could sneak that one under. I'm not inclined to bet Chiefs over unders very often, though, so I'd probably stay away it's from a, that
1: one. You didn't mention the line. It's 48. Over yeah, 48, 48. Sorry. Yeah. So, all
0: right. So those are our picks for the weekend um, at Gojo Show on Twitter. Uh, if you want to let us know how wrong we were at some point, uh, i try and climb back in to the win column here. But Brandon, as we head off into one of the best weekends of football in the year, got to ask you, do you know what time it is?
1: Ah. I do, Mike. And after the Pharrell conversation we had yesterday I'd be lying if it just Wasn't on my brain and my mind You know <sighs> I got into y'all To introduce you to a friend of mine Named Gojo All the way From somewhere in Connecticut Actually Actually New Jersey Voorhees, New Jersey on that sunny day, didn't know I'd meet Such a beautiful girl, walking down the street seeing those bright brown eyes, with tears coming down She deserves a crown, but where is it now? Mama, listen, senorita, I feel for you You deal with things that you don't have to Doesn't love you, I can tell by his charm. But feel this real love if you just say that.
0: Brandon, this is one of my, like, favorite karaoke songs ever because at the end of that song, you get the back-and-forth play. That oh, it yeah! It's just like something's heating up. Can I leave with you?
1: And ladies, I don't know what I'm thinking about really leaving so with you. It feels good. Sing it one more time. And it goes by the name, Justin. Ow. Oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, man. If you, you enjoyed that it. as much as I did, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo. Give us a five-star rating and a review. And let Brandon know what a good job he did on that one. I, I'd take it in a heartbeat.
1: I, okay. I The song, yes. And I love that this, that, and the thirds get stuck in people's heads throughout the day. You're welcome. But... I need to stop mimicking and start just trying to sing it, cause then I, I get into a cracky when I'm when I'm mimicking too much. Like instead of just finding my 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 zone with it, but it's something I do when I listen to radio songs. They're like when I strain my voice too much trying to mimic their their octaves and then get to the, my normal baritone. It's usually where I live. You yeah, know? But, it's
0: all it's all understanding our range. But like you said, we sing in the car, we sing in the shower, we do what it do, and sometimes we have a little help in those spots. You don't have help here, and that's what's admirable about it. Speaking of help, Brandon, let's get to this. Uh, Help is on the way for one NFL franchise as the coaching round robin this offseason spins ever so much. The Panthers have hired former Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Wright as their head coach, which prompted the very weird uh, tweet from the Indianapolis Colts main account that said, Congratulations to this very good man that we (laughs) fired
1: in the middle of this season. (laughs) <laughs> I yes I don't understand that at all Mike and I usually get confused by coaching hires like this my gut reaction is like hmm why when uh? but to to go into the history books and find out that Frank Reich was the first quarterback for the Carolina Panthers that does feel a little serendipitous I, I like that narrative
0: yeah, um, I saw Anish Roth tweet this, and I think this is kind of the nexus of it, is while Matt Rule did come as somewhat of an offensive background, albeit in college, Frank Reich is now the th- sixth head coach in franchise history and the first with an offensive coaching background, I'll say, in the NFL. And I think that's the oh, differentiating wow. factor here. A lot of people looked at this and thought Steve Wilkes, who had taken over in the interim tag, gotten this team down the stretch to competing in the NFC South, which we know was yeah. a sad competition in a lot of ways, but still, to do that in a season where they traded one of their quarterbacks in Baker Mayfield midseason did all that, I think ultimately this boils down to they need sure hands on the offensive side of the ball to try and help them right the quarterback situation that they have so egregiously botched during the last handful of years with the moves that they have made. Doesn't guarantee anything because right now we don't think the quarterback of the future is on their roster, but yeah. It at least is a guy who has been there, competent hands at a high level, and comes with that kind of pedigree.
1: Do you think that head coaches in his situation, in Frank Frank Reich's place, need a little time before they jump back in with the next? I I you see, I stopped myself from saying uh, a lady, but like jumping back into a relationship like this, like I I do think that sometimes you need the pain to stop a little bit before you jump back in and, and start like revenge winning uh, like the quarterbacks are forced to do getting traded. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I think there could be something to be said for that, especially if you need to revisit style. I think the Colts' tenure are a really fascinating one just because the Colts strategically made such an error in how they tried to go about things, right? They thought, hey, we got a defense and an offensive line, meet shield, Jonathan Taylor in the back, we'll just keep, cycling in older veteran quarterbacks to try and make this thing work. And at the end of the day, it wound up not being great. Now you can make the argument Frank, right? actually got some pretty decent games out of Carson Wentz in the back half of his final season in Indianapolis as a vote of confidence. But a lot of it, as we always talk about, is the ingredients that you have there. Carolina became a ground-and-pound team towards the end of the season. They've still got a lot to build around defensively. So ironically, it's a little familiar to what he dealt with in Indianapolis.
1: And I agree with the people in Indianapolis Colts' Twitter – he is a very good man. One thing I liked about him is even when faced with how bad Carson Wentz was, he was always backing them in the media. Like He never once like backed off of just trying to support. Even after that egregious last game that got Carson Wentz up out of there when they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and all they had to do was beat a very bad Jaguars team at the time.
0: By the way, speaking of the Colts, uh, according to Jordan Schultz uh, over at The Score, the sources say Jim Ursey remains or Jim Ursay's number one choice for head coach remains Jeff Saturday, while others in the coaches in the Colts front office prefer different candidates. Saturday, he was told, presented his staff choices during his second interview on Wednesday, and Ursay has not sat in on most of the interviews. So take that for what it's worth, but uh this could get real wild real quick for the Colts, who obviously after that first win Uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders, really struggled to do anything other than put together first halves that then were blown famously. And again, we've talked about on this podcast. I love Jeff Saturday. Think the world of the man. But I don't know if what we saw in the back half of last season is really something that would buy you another chance at this
1: job for most people. the, The crazy thing about it is, Mike, it's Jim Irsay, his money.
0: It is, and you know what? Uh, again, maybe the other side of that is that roster in the place that it was at, Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger, quarterback, wasn't going to win for anybody, and so Jeff Saturday right. should be analyzed without – as much of that sinking in as it would others. But uh, again, just seems like a complicated situation ahead for the Indianapolis Colts. And for the New York Jets, who have had all these weird rumors linking them to Aaron Rodgers lately, a lot of people photoshopping him in Jets jerseys. They signed former Green Bay offensive coordinator and Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett to be their offensive coordinator, replacing Mike LaFleur. And I'm just amazed that people think that Aaron Rodgers likes this guy that much, that this would be the extra push that he needs.
1: I'm confused at why people like Nathaniel Hackett that much. Like, I trust Robert Salah. Like, I trust his, I trust his judgment. And like this, like he must have done great in the interview. Like the Broncos were. I mean, he got fired for a reason. Like they were. It wasn't just Russell Wilson. It wasn't just that roster. No,
0: it was, and you could say it's a lot of the decision making that wouldn't be on his plate. As the offensive play caller now here in the interim but that being said when you go back and look at the offenses that he's been at the helm of as a play caller i saw mina kimes tweeted these out um offensive dvoa under nathaniel hackett as an offensive coordinator before green bay Buffalo from in 2013 and 14, they were 25th on offense. Jacksonville from 16 to 17, where he was promoted midseason, 27th. Jacksonville from 17 to 18, 15th. Jacksonville, before he was fired in November, 30th. So this is not someone who's been at the helm for a lot of marquee offenses. You can bring up the quarterbacks. Who's going to be playing quarterback for him in New York? There is no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is going to walk through that door and save you. So I have real questions about the nature of this hire also.
1: Oh, and the same thing I talked about with Frank Reich. I, I don't know if it's, this seems too fresh and new. Like, do you remember that uh, hard knocks for the Browns? And they talked about how you, um, you Jackson surrounded himself with a bunch of former head coaches or like, like people failed head coaches, like in their. I think both the coordinators were failed head coaches. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Because I feel like that guy is still looking at that chair in that meeting room. It's like, I'm supposed to be there. I messed it up. How do I get back there? Versus how can I make this offense or make this team the best way possible? You know?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And, man, like there is some stuff to be excited about with the Jets' offense. We talked about the other day, Brees Hall coming back healthy, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver. What quarterback? Some young pieces on the offensive line. But, yeah, until you get the quarterback thing figured out here, Mike LaFleur felt like he was a scapegoat firing, and this certainly doesn't feel like it's the whole answer for you as a hire. So, news and notes out of the NFL. Brandon, let's get to that. The All-Star Game in the NBA is coming up. LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo were named the captains of the two teams this year. For LeBron, he has now uh, tied Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most All-Star Game appearances with 19 and has now been a captain each of the six years that the NBA has gone with that format. For Giannis, he's going to be the captain for the third time in his career. And as you pointed out the other day, this year we get the All-Star Game draft right before the game pickup style, which is going to be incredible theater.
1: It's gonna be great, Mike. Uh, LeBron is five and zero as an All Star captain. Uh, I believe Giannis might be zero and three because every time that he's been a captain, he's played LeBron's team, who wisely picks Steph usually. Or KD. Oh, and tries it's, to, my, it's like, like I feel my like favorite Giannis...
0: all-star game, Rite of Passage, is watching LeBron James really overtly flirt with Steph Curry on the court. That was back when okay. there were some questions about the future of Steph and Golden State that no longer exist. So I'll be very interested to see if they change its the tune now this year.
1: Just two, just two kids from Akron, Mike. Just two kids from Akron. But I, I enjoy the thought of this new like dodgeball style. Like I want you, I want you. It's like whoever you make eye contact, contact with, like you can't really size up in the moment. I think it's happening in the locker room, fifteen minutes before the game, uh, and there's going to be like a special social segment, and like it's going to be filmed. So that that should be fun.
0: Oh, you know LeBron James is going to have his big board in his head or make some sort of show of it at that <gasps> point. He's going to have it ready.
1: What if the captains wear the big hats?
0: See, now we're thinking. Now we're th- <laughs> now we're giving the people what they really want here. Um, <laughs> one of the big snubs in this one: Joel Embiid uh, not named a starter for the Eastern Conference, despite the fact that he ranked third among the East in uh, the player vote and in the media rankings, but was fourth in the fan voting. And this year, the fan vote has weight. Um, or I don't know if it was this year it started, but the fan vote is fifty percent of the final outcome. The player and media votes count for twenty five percent each. So the fans came up and got Joel Embiid, which is crazy. But uh, what are you going to do Joel, on the on the East? It's Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, and Donovan Mitchell. On the West, it's Zion Williamson, uh, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, and Luka Doncic.
1: Man, look at Zion! Look at look at Zion! I know. Just happy for him. I have another take, but I just, I'm just i just happy for Zion.
0: Brandon, let's get to the third. Um, this is interesting news, uh, to me at least. Costco, which obviously is known as one of the big box retail chains and a place where you can buy mm-hmm. hot dogs at a price that will never budge as long as this earth spins on its access, has announced a deal in Los Angeles that would put apartments full of potential customers on top of a planned store. This would happen... Um, in the Los Angeles neighborhood of Baldwin Hills, over on the West Side, and essentially would almost have it, um, yeah, like a, like a gym that you would see below a set of like very nice apartments
1: overhead. Here, it's very common in LA. Obviously, you know, there's not a lot of space to build out, so you build up. Um, as someone who lived a, a mile, two miles away from a very popular. Costco Marina del Rey location, uh, in and out in that parking lot, as well as a, a boutique pet shop um, and a Verizon Wireless. I don't know if this is going to work because one of the hardest things about being in LA is traffic and cars. And it's it's not the foot it's not the foot traffic. It's the the cars, the wheels, the where to park. And I feel like after a long day of work coming home and have to fight with those carts and, and the boxes because they don't give things in bags and all those people and the families it just it seems like a lot and I feel like they need like a Costco jr next door as like a as a uh, as a small little grocery store for the actual people that live in the in the in the apartment
0: so they said that the company that's involved in the construction progress process didn't Decide on the size of the Costco, but they said there's going to be two subterranean parking levels and some surface level parking. So you'd have to imagine some of that's going to be set aside for the people living there. And roughly 23% of the units or 184 apartments are going to be set aside for low-income households at the future Costco mixed-use development. So there's some thought process in here since obviously that's a big deal in Los Angeles right now.
1: And, And Baldwin Hills is beautiful and a great place to be um the hard part about being in LA is you can't like an area and want to be in another area because that area was roughly 45 minutes away uh if you're somewhere that you uh need to be but Baldwin Hills has a lot of 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 what you need and I used to get my hair cut over there and it would be good to see that neighborhood get something that would drive people there
0: what I didn't know was that Costco's had already been in like the mixed use space business. Like there's a Costco that has a fitness center on top in a uh, dense Houston neighborhood and Greenway Plaza. And there's also a Costco in Virginia that's surrounded by a high rise apartment. So Costco's kind of been branching out doing wild stuff. I'm trying to think of what the most interesting thing to pair with a Costco could be. This is sort of like the high end version of when you've got a Taco Bell slash Long John Silver's.
1: Yes, and shout out to Yum Brand in Louisville, Kentucky, doing mixing and matching all their uh, Yum Brand things everywhere. Which way? Uh, Taco Bell, uh, Taco Bell, Pizza Huts were the goats uh, for a long time. Oh yeah, no but doubt. incredible comedy. The best thing the the best thing to pair with your Costco is Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn. Uh, do you not remember the Neighborhood Watch? <laughs> that was an amazing movie. That also the name got changed because I believe. One of the killings, uh, unfortunate killings happened during a time period and they changed it from the neighborhood watch to the watch. Uh, but still a very, very funny movie and the best thing to pair with your Costco.
0: There you go. Uh, ben, St- Ben Stiller and, uh, and will Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn excuse me, paired with a yeah. Costco. Uh, yeah, I could see that being one because at this point, like the only other thing I could think of was an old McDonald's with a ball pit. But I wonder if post COVID, we're ever going to go back to having playscapes inside of your fast food restaurants. What an era that was, by the way, where you just went into McDonald's, you ordered your nuggets, and then your parents sent you off into a piss filled ball pit.
1: Not even that, Mike. Like the grimy, dark, scary tunnels of those, of those, uh, like the little the amusement park that is crawling through the to get to the slide like cuz it wasn't oh, yeah. just the ball pit like there was like those those tunnels and they weren't like well kept like you would find french fries like i remember some of my like like most scared memories growing up being there like without, and I lost my brother because he was like older and like did his own thing. I was like, okay, this person's looking at me weird. I don't know where to go. I need to get out of here. The walls are closing in. I, let me put, push my face against this little uh, plastic window and like scream down to my mother.
0: Honestly, if any place was going to bring back that hellish nightmare you described, Costco seems very well positioned to do this because oh, yeah. I would think if you're a parent, being in a fast food restaurant, time is of the essence. If you're a parent in Costco, you're going to sure. be there a while.
1: True. Yes. Exactly. And that's that brings me to the next point, Mike. Bring back Discovery Zone and oh. get that thing in a Costco,
0: Brandon. Discovery from your Zone lips Costco. To God's ears.
1: Okay. All right. And I'll say so. I'll quote your dad here. Google it, kids. If you don't know, Google Discovery Zone.
0: Yeah, Discovery Zones were an incredible time in life. It was bought out by Chuck E. Cheese in 1998. Um, Oh, kill the capo. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, really, really hated to see it there. I mean, a place where you could do laser tag, ball pits, all that good stuff, miniature golf. DZ had everything. Pizza. And we need to bring it back for the kids. So you're right. Kids, Google it and then write your congressman and tell them to bring back Discovery (laughs) Zone. Um, Write in our reviews if you enjoyed this podcast as you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo. Leave it a five-star rating and a review. I saw some of you
1: responding to the call already. I was gonna say, Mike, you gotta shout out the people. You gotta shout out the people for for listening and reacting. And I, I'm I'm thankful and I felt seen because somebody called me out for not being a sports fan, and I and I I've never felt more seen. So I thank you for that.
0: <laughs> I appreciated uh, Goaf78. Give it a shot. I miss Golik and Golik, but I assure you this podcast is solid with sports, but also funny, worth your time, and for sure to give it a go. Uh, the idea of give washing Trey Wingo out of the show that we all did together. Uh, Max the Ninja <laughs> calls it the McGriddle of podcasts, which is officially the <gasps> nicest thing anyone's ever said to us.
1: Mike, did you write that review?
0: I wish. Brandon. I wish I was that clever, but I'm not. So again, these are, this is how fragile our baby egos are. You just made our day. That's what you can do. You can also check us out on the DraftKings (laughs) YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thank you so much. Enjoy championship weekend in the NFL. We'll talk to you on Monday. Boom. Money in the bank.